2: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: I'm a feminist, but my favourite drink of an alcoholic nature is a vodka soda with a little dash of cranberry, which some people, I've noticed now on Uh, Twitter and Instagram are calling the guilty feminist and I am not mad about that at all I'm quite happy with that, I'm not doing anything to discourage it, in fact I'm encouraging it but my second favourite drink is called a skinny bitch and I do enjoy ordering it quite a lot, it's just a vodka soda it's without the cranberry, now the cranberry is my, so what I have is a skinny bitch with a dash of cranberry which is good for cystitis And I might start ordering it that way. I'd love that. If I was working at the restaurant,
3: I'd love to go, are you the skinny bitch?
0: Oh, yes. It'd be great. It's like when I used
3: to work in a restaurant, if you had two little kind of like sweet type things on a plate, it'd be lovely to go up the table and go, two tarts? (laughs) loved it. (laughs) It's how we got through a shift. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but... I did spend a huge amount of time getting ready for this show, which is essentially radio.
0: (laughs) Have you shown... You haven't shown them yet, but... No, it's a reveal. Oh, sorry. I could show them now. I don't want to peek too early. (laughs) (laughs) No, just let it be known there is a reveal and it could happen at any moment. It'll keep the show more exciting. I'm a feminist... But the other day, someone asked me why my friend was looking so sassy and fabulous, and I replied very quickly without thinking, revenge body. (laughs) Attitude and wardrobe. Because I was so angry at the man who was so horrible to her and so thrilled that she's recovered and she's got some revenge sass. She's not lost a lot of weight or anything. She just looks different. You know, when somebody's come out of something and they've been miserable for a while, and then they've just been like, ''Fuck you.'' horrible man he was horrible I mean it's a very mild revenge she's not posting him dead rats. it's which is something I've never done
3: I'm a feminist but as a trans woman sometimes I do miss my male privilege like the other day I went to buy a car I arrived at the showroom the salesman came out Looked me up and down and said, "You're right, love. Are you looking for something small and easy to park?"
0: Oh, oh. truly,
3: true, bloody hell! I know. I was like, "No, you're all right, knobhead." <laughs> and walked off the forecourt with my head held high. Do you know that they that. <clears throat>
0: Was it a revenge head?
3: It was really a revenge-y. Re- a
0: revenge head. It was yeah. very
3: revenge. And apparently, people don't trust women to sell cars. And I was talking to somebody about this, and they work for this marketing place, and rather than employ a woman, they were creating a robot. So they were going from a man oh my God. to
0: a robot. Are we going to lose our jobs to artificial intelligence before we've even got them? I mean, <laughs> Jesus,
1: has anybody here? Hell, turn
0: Next is not the turn of robots. (laughs) We've been waiting so much longer than uh, robots for good jobs. (laughs) We've been waiting for ages and we've proved we can do everything better and we've tried really hard and we've been, no, 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 no. And every time we get the job, they lower the pay. As soon as it becomes a female profession, they're like, oh, is doctoring all that? And then they lower the pay. They do it every time. Teaching used to be a male profession. As soon as it became a female profession, they went, mm, sort of nurturing though, isn't it really? And they halved the fucking pay. If all the Pulitzer Prize winning books and Booker Prize winning novels are going to suddenly be written by artificial intelligence before we get our go, I'm going to be really pissed off. And I'm going to say it to the robots. I feel like I've hit a nerve there. <laughs> it's just because my husband's in love with Alexa. Okay. Now we've got to the bottom of it, haven't we? I don't care, I've got Siri. <laughs> he understands me. Um, sorry, I forgot to do an I'm a feminist, but... I'm a feminist, but I'm jealous of Alexa. Um, I'm a feminist, but bitch is my favourite expletive. But I truly believe it doesn't count because I pronounce it biatch. <laughs> you know, when you, sometimes you just go biatch biatch yeah exactly if something goes wrong it's sort of like you know uber cancels or something when you were just running late you biatch that's not rude really is it that's not like calling a woman a bitch that's not misogynistic is it okay fine (laughs) well I don't think you're very feminist by not standing by my justification
3: (laughs) I'm a feminist, but if I tell someone my age and they don't go, you're not 54, I'm horrified. And I even leave a little pause for them to say it. Sometimes I'm just left hanging like that. Oh, they're not going to say it. I look 54 today.
0: Firstly, you don't Thanks. look anywhere near 54. Correct answer. Secondly, there's nothing wrong with being 54. No, there's it's not. one of the ages you can be. It's
3: a we, beautiful age.
0: <laughs> but we all have to be it.
4: Yeah.
0: Unless if you're lucky, we die. Yeah. Like, there's only two options. Be 54 or be dead. Yeah. There's the options. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely better to be 54. <laughs> Live from Manchester Yay! This is The Guilty Feminists, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah frances white with me is Kate O'Donnell, and we're talking about things we wish we'd known! Oh. So Kate, now Press. you've been on the show before as a guest, but this is your first time co-hosting. It is. It's very, very exciting. And we've done a lot of
3: practice and training, haven't we?
0: Kate has had no preparation. No, Um, No. But you don't need it. You don't need it. You bring your wonderful self, you plan your own thing, and then the magic happens here. Last time I saw you, uh, you were doing wonderful things with Trans Creative. Yes. Uh, What are you up to at the moment? Well,
3: I'm still doing wonderful things with Trans Creative, but I've had a really busy year. I don't know if anybody made it to our Trans Vegas Arts Festival this year. Shame on you. (laughs) They might have, they
0: may just not have known that was the time to cheer. Did anyone make it to the uh, Trans Vegas Festival?
3: There you go. Come on. I knew someone would have. So I had a really busy year and I thought, I tell you what, let's just wind down for the end of the year and do a musical at the Royal Exchange. Yay! Yeah. I have never been in a musical before. I've been introduced to musical theatre. It's Gypsy and uh, I'm playing a stripper.
0: Very proud. <laughs> very, very exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I love Gypsy. I think it's an amazing, amazing musical. It is. And I am looking forward to seeing your act, because it's true, you have lights.
3: Yes, I'm called Electra. I don't know if anybody knows Gypsy. Gypsy Rose Lee was yes. one of the first kind of, you know, she brought um, stripping into kind of celebrity status in uh, America in the kind of 40s and 50s. And her introduction to stripping was with three very brassy broads, who all have a gimmick. And my gimmick is electricity. (laughs) I'm relying heavily on things lighting up on stage. And
0: what is your song called?
3: You've Gotta Have a Gimmick.
0: There you go, there you go. And It's it's going to be good. it's good advice for life, you've gotta have a gimmick. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't think you can go past a gimmick. So let's begin. (laughs) Stripping
3: and electricity. I mean, there you go. (laughs)
0: feels like a dangerous combination. I like it. No, no, I do see that. <laughs> but I prefer to be clothed when around naked flames or electrical goods. Yeah. Um, I once had a hairdryer blow up in my hand and it blew a hole in my hand. Oh. And I was in Australia, so you can plug it in in the bathroom there. So I think it must have got wet. Right. This is why you can't do that here. No. Um, and I went into shock. And I also once burnt myself while ironing topless. So... <laughs> I have learnt, I have learnt twice, twice. Because when I blew a hole in my hand, I had to get to the doctor and I was still a bit topless. Yes. yeah, twice, twice I have messed with electricity topless and I'll never do it again. And there is water and electricity
3: on this desk, can I just say. That's true,
0: we're tempting it. (laughs) I was interested in... Whether anybody here in Manchester felt they had a feminist job, or it might not even be a job, it might be a project or anything that you're working on. Uh, Does anyone have anything? Yes, what's yours? I'm a paramedic and I listen to you at work. You're a paramedic and you listen to me at work? On the way to emergencies. (laughs) What was that? It's just me doing a bit of the. I feel like it should be a between-emergency podcast. I'd be really worried if it's like, I just want to listen to this last bit just before I get out of the, no, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. Um, Feminism is an emergency, what a great, what a great way of looking at it, it is, it's an emergency. So you're a paramedic, are there many female paramedics, is it mainly male or is it gender divide? has a history of being male dominated but you're the change that you wish to see in emergency services okay as Gandhi said be the change you want to see in emergency services um, anybody else anyone else got a job that they think is feminist yes I teach politics and I teach feminism I <gasps> you teach politics and you teach feminism in politics where do you teach uh, in college in sixth form oh so you teach to sixth formers so you're teaching feminists to sixth form are you allowed to do that or are you just <laughs> stealthing that in is it more like Trojan horse-style feminism where they've actually invited you to come in and teach sort of A-level Marx and you've just gone, yeah. But what they need to know about is the history of the patriarchy and you're sort of smuggling it in through the A-level syllabus. Is that the case? It's part of the A-level syllabus. We are such a civilised nation. We are. I mean, we are on it. We are on it. It's optional. It's optional. Is optional? <laughs> Marx is mandatory. Sure, sure, sure. Who takes it out of interest? More boys than girls. Interesting. Are you teaching them anything you wish you'd known when you were their age? The whole model. Okay. And do you reckon you could tell us about that feminism model if pressed? Not now, but if pressed. Could you give us that history? Okay. I'm asking for a reason. Sorry, what's your name? Jenny. Jenny. I'm asking for a reason, Jenny. Um, One of our guests dropped out tonight. (laughs) Because it was an emergency right before. And I thought, I know my audience, and I know how many worthy guests there are in my audience. Every single show, I wish I could have more of my audience on the stage. And tonight, that dream for me has become a reality. And my dream has become your nightmare, Jenny. Um, Would you be interested in the second half? Because you'll have the whole first half to worry about it. Um, Would you be interested in the second half in coming out and being a guest on The Guilty Feminist? And you absolutely can say, no, we're very big on consent. Uh, No, seriously, please feel free to go, oh, no, God, that would be my absolute nightmare. But we would love to have you if you would love to be had. Again, that implies... (laughs) I should have asked that more consensually. There was not enough consent packaged in those words. But I wasn't planning on doing this. Jenny? Are you into it? Uh, yes. Yeah, you are, Jenny. Yeah, you are. Okay, so Jenny, first thing I need to tell you, you will get a refund on your ticket and you also get a fee for appearing. Um, I just need to say that because I don't want everyone to think, is this how she's doing it now? (laughs) Because she sort of always made a thing. We always pay all of our contributors because feminism, you know, we don't just sort of, you know, go, oh, exposure, because no, that's not feminist. So when we started out, our box office did not make up what we paid the acts. We had to lose money for a while. And then as the show got bigger, now, obviously, we can afford to pay people more and we try and pay them commensurally Um, so I just didn't want anyone to think that I was just going to start pointing at people at random (laughs) and forcing them to convey what they knew and educate us for free is there anybody else in this audience who's thinking I have one like simple message or one charitable message or one something something that I need to say and I now wish I were Jenny is anyone else thinking that? Yes. who said woo? what's your name? Laura, and what's your thing? Uh, so I am, not not a job, but I'm a volunteer, I'm actually a girl empowerment volunteer. A girl in... Girl a girl empowerment volunteer. Okay, I thought you said girl in parliament. I thought, I'm pretty sure we call them women. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly sure, I'm fairly sure. Okay, so what would be nice is if we get Jenny on with Charlotte, and then at the end, would you be able to come out and do a little five-minute pitch about what you do and maybe how we could help or get involved. Great, okay, Manchester, you have brought with you great rewards. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage the Incredible Kate.
3: Hello, now I know you've just clapped, but can I have you cheer and roar again for the trans community?
4: Yes!
3: Yes! Beautiful beautiful and that is how things can be for trans people in 2019 now what you have just heard bears no resemblance to my experience of transitioning in 2003 it was very very different to that nobody was shouting nobody was screaming in fact the trans community just kind of like went and hid under a rock and it was all about keeping your head down and living in stealth and passing passing meaning to not look trans because God forbid you should be trans and look trans and I did pass but do you know what passing meant back then it meant you looked like a straight cisgender woman now cisgender means not trans now I'm just imagining there are a lot of cisgendered straight women here tonight are there Yes. It's a tough gig, isn't it? So that's what I got to pass as. And what that meant was, the question that I got asked all the time was, are you married? No. Do you have children? No. But I did used to live as a gay man and have a cock. (laughs) Too much. Ah, Dumbs. And that's what it was like. I felt like those were my dark years because I'd been living as a kind of out kind of gay man and drag queen. Suddenly, I was this straight, cisgendered woman having to say I wasn't married and didn't have children. I found it all a bit difficult and quite confusing. The brilliant thing about that is it didn't kind of stay like that for long because now trans people are cool. <laughs> we are cool. I don't know how it happened. Something over the last 16 years, we've become cool. I mean, I make a living out of being trans. I am full-time trans. (laughs) This is what I do, people pay me to be trans. It's quite amazing, I don't know how it happened. It's like, if you think about things like 16 years ago, the other things that weren't cool, like yoga, wasn't, (laughs) wasn't particularly cool, was it, 16 years ago? And neither was being vegan. I mean, 16 years ago, if you were vegan, you were just like an annoying, fussy eater. Now we're all after that Greg's vegan sausage roll, aren't we? It's amazing. It's amazing how that's happened. It's really cool. So if you're vegan, do a lot of yoga and trans, I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're just sailing off into the stars. So I thought I'd like to kind of tell you a little bit about my journey, but I thought I'm not going to tell you about any of the cool stuff. That's been happening i thought you might be more interested to hear about all the uncool stuff that happens when you transition you know all the awkward and embarrassing moments would you like that so when i transition you were literally back in 2003 it might as well have been the 1930s because nobody knew what the hell was going on seriously but i had a friend who transitioned and she wrote me a list of how to transition. It had five things on it, right? So I think I'm just going to pop through these five things that she told me to do. So first of all, it says, go and see your GP. Now, I don't know how you'd feel about popping along to see your GP tomorrow to tell them that you're trans, but I didn't fancy it. So I headed off to number two, which was go and see a psychiatrist. Now, I thought this requires something quite specialist, so I threw some money at it and headed off to London to see... Dr. Russell Reed. Now, Dr. Russell Reed looked remarkably like the DJ Tony Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, he was really lovely. I really loved him. Unfortunately, he had to retire in 2009 under the headline Sex Change Doctor Guilty of Misconduct. But hey, it was all we had and we had to start somewhere. Now, when it came to hormones, this was 2003, it was like the dark ages. Now, when it came to hormones, Dr Russell Reed was from the suck it and see approach, which may have been his downfall. Cut to headlines, sex change, doctor, guilty of misconduct. It went something along the lines of, start to take female hormones, if you develop tits and you don't like it, maybe it's not for you. (laughs) That was it, but you know what? That made complete sense to me, and for the dark ages, it was pretty good. Number three, speech therapy. Speech therapy to sound like a woman. Now, let's just cut to the chase. I did not need speech therapy to sound like a woman. I'd had this voice and lived as a man for years. In fact, I used to deepen it so I didn't get shit. (laughs) It's a funny old thing, having a girly voice and living as a man can be quite tricky, but as a woman, it came into its own. I literally found my voice. This was my first trans win and it wasn't gonna cost me a penny. Hurrah! (laughs) Do you know what? I will go to speech therapy to sound like a woman when all women go to speech therapy to sound like a woman. Because what woman would I be hoping to sound like? Would it be like Be Arthur from the Golden Girls? Or maybe Joanna Lumley? Or perhaps it would be Anne who works on the Trans Pennine Express. Have you got any rubbish, love? Have you got any rubbish, love? Have you got any rubbish, love? Thanks. And anyway, who decides what a woman's voice should sound like? I bet it's a man. So, number four, name change. Now, for anybody who is considering transitioning, you need to know that it's very admin heavy for about a year you're basically a part-time administrator (laughs) and something you're probably going to have to look at is getting a new name now that's not always straightforward it can be a bit tricky but don't worry I'm here to help now I originally started off as Andrew and then I changed my name to Drew see what I did there (laughs) eventually I settled on the name Kate the main reason being I was a huge Kate Bush fan growing up yeah (laughs) I felt like she was the only person more dramatic than me. Now, if any of you would like to find your trans name, and I'm going to encourage you to do that tonight, and maybe you could pick this up over Christmas. You know, when you need a little game for the table, you know. (laughs) Hi, should we play Find Your Trans Name? (laughs) So all you need to do is you need to take the first name of your favourite singer in the gender that you're transitioning into and then add your mother's maiden name. Voila, that's your new trans name. We had Madonna Potter in the other day. <laughs> so if any of you have got a name, you've worked it out and would like to quickly shout it out because I don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to shout out your trans name <laughs> here. Anybody got any that would like to shout out? Jarvis Broad. Jarvis Broad. I love that Brilliant All the lights are coming up Beyonce David. Yes David Watkins Nice Michael
4: Mansley
3: Hello Michael Mansley Down here Any more for any more? Uh, Elvis Strofelt Oh hello That's borderline porn (laughs) Again Deborah George Sultan. Oh, sorry, I got it wrong. Pardon me, hang on. What was it? George Sulton. Lovely. I'm not going to repeat it because I think I'll get it wrong. <laughs> you can often fall into that trap and you're going, George Sinton, George Sinton, George Sinton, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It could just go on for ages. So, yeah, feel free to take that wherever you want to go. I mean, if I've helped some of you transition, you know, began your transition, well, then that's great. But if not, it can just be a party game at Christmas. Okay, then we come to number five. Now, just before I go on to number five, I think I'm just going to let you know if any of you are thinking of transitioning because we don't know how the world's going to go. We've had yoga, we've had vegans. I mean, what next? (laughs) If any of you are thinking, you need to know that there is a huge amount of interest in your genitals when you're trans. People think that within minutes of finding out you're trans, they can ask you about them. They say things like, have you had everything done? No, just the kitchen and the bathroom, thanks for asking. (laughs) So number six, sorry, number five on the list, decide on the op. The op. Because in 2003, it was all about the op, and you were having the op, whether you wanted it or not. And I decided to go to Thailand to have my surgery, and when I told people that, they would look at me in horror. i think, what do you know about gender reassignment surgery? Shut up. And I went to see Dr. Saporn in Thailand. Now, he is considered a world leader in surgical procedure for trans people. He's also quite small, very tidy looking, and polite, which came in handy. Because within minutes of meeting him, you've got your genitals out, and the game is on. (laughs) Now, I decided to have a nose job, a boob job, and gender reassignment surgery at the same time. Yeah, that's a nose job, a boob job, and gender reassignment surgery at the same time. I asked Dr. Saporn if he thought that was a bit much. He shrugged his shoulders and said, not for me. (laughs) I mean, that's very reassuring. Some of the other patients were a little bit more impressed at my decision to have so many surgeries in one sitting. One patient watching me stagger back from the clinic, fully bandaged, did comment, Oh, I see you went for the full Monty, my dear. And indeed I had. In for a penny, in for a pound. (laughs) Talking of money, when you do have surgeries like that, they're very expensive. And I wasn't rich, but I owned a flat, so I decided to remortgage it. I was a little bit worried how gender reassignment surgery would look on the application. So I cheated it and said it was for home improvements. (laughs) I thought, if anyone asks, it is plumbing related. Thank you. You've got to be resourceful. You've got to be resourceful. So once me and Dr. Saporn had decided that it was a goer, I was then shown pictures of vaginas. A lot of pictures. (laughs) of vaginas, more than I'd ever seen in my life or may have needed to. <laughs> and it became clear then that I needed to decide what I expected from my vagina. Now, this fell into three categories. Dr. Saporn asked me if I was looking for sensation, appearance, or depth. <laughs> well, I felt a little bit on the spot. <laughs> so I said can I just have a think please actually should we all just have a think (laughs) right now yeah what are you thinking should we just see a show of hands uh, hands up for sensation oh yes yeah appearance not that bothered (laughs) depth you can keep it well I was pretty much with you we've got sensation we don't need anything else well, well, I'm absolutely with you. And that was it. It was pretty much a done deal. And all I had to do after that was lie back and think of England. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah here. I'm currently on tour in North America... Dates coming up in the next week are Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Tickets at guiltyfeminist.com, but get them because they're going fast. We've had such an amazing tour so far. Thank you to everybody. Uh, we're so, so, so sorry that we didn't get to Boston, but the visa didn't come through in time and there's nothing we could do. We were so devastated. New York, two incredible shows. Philadelphia was just wonderful. Chicago blew us away. Uh, So get your tickets now. Before we leave, in the UK, on the 26th of January, uh, we are having our first ever joyful resistance, which will be in London. And we're going to work out the problem of how to help the humanitarians who are being criminalised and how to raise awareness of that so more and more people become politicised and stand up to it. That's our mission. And if you are interested in coming along to that, could you please email at com and tell us that you're open to doing that on the 26th of January. We need people who can create Interesting ideas. We need people who can administrate. We need people who can help with funding, all sorts of self-starter projects. So, if you are available and can get to London on the 26th of January, let us know and we'll get back to you with details. On the 29th of January at the Clapham Grand, I am hosting a fundraiser for the Australian Bushfire Fund. It's called the Power of Humanity and the lineup is incredible there's Alexis Dubas there's Fiona O'Glocklin, there's Yuriko Katani Juliet Burton many more so if you can come to that all the proceeds are going to the Australian bushfire fund i will be going out to australia where we're doing guilty feminist shows in february all the details are on guiltyfeminist.com but we are coming to melbourne sydney the gold coast brisbane And we're also coming to New Zealand to Auckland, Christchurch and Wellington. Get tickets now for that. Also, my book, The Guilty Feminist, has now come out in North America. You can buy it in America, you can buy it in Canada, in all good bookshops and online. Get your copy now. If you are coming to one of the American shows, I will sign it at the end. Same deal in Australia. If you want your book signed at the end of the show, I will be there for you. Lots of love to all and back to the podcast. Welcome to the stage, the incredible Charlotte Keatley! <laughs> now, Charlotte, you are a feminist and creative anchor in Manchester. Ooh,
5: anchor sounds good. Um, yeah. Yes, I like anchor.
0: Thank uh, you. you wrote one of the top 100 plays of the 20th century as elected by the National Theatre called My Mother Said, I Never Should. Uh,
5: right. and there were four on that list by women, so I think there's slightly, something right, slightly wrong. There were wrong. four
0: out of the hundred. Four
5: out of the hundred wow. significant plays of the 20th wow. century so, were by living women. I think there were two dead women. So It just strikes me that something went slightly wrong in the choosing process, don't you think? I cannot I think who, who chose, chose
0: them. them. No. But also, <laughs> it's strange. also what's been put on and platformed. So even if you have got women on the committee, if women haven't been facilitated to write plays and the plays they have written haven't been produced because they've been seen as not important or not worthy, but somehow you managed to break through that and write this really seminal, amazing play that only has women in it. That's right. And you're doing that play in Sheffield. That's
5: right. The Crucible are just about to open open a production. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and why is that play different? Why, how are you doing it differently this time?
5: I've had this play translated into 31 different languages or cultures. This time it's being done in British Sign Language by four actors who are themselves deaf. Two of them also speak. But the play is foremost carried in British Sign Language and those of us who are hearing will have some captions and some voiceover when we need it to hear dialogue. And some of it is going to be more visual than usual. And this is a real breakthrough, because it's quite an experiment, this method. If it works, it means there's no reason why deaf actors, in this case women being the pioneers, uh, but why deaf actors can't do all kinds of classic plays converted into this new mixture of languages, theatre being always a mixture of visual and...
0: Cool. Uh, so we should probably get our other guest out. Yes. Please, welcome to the stage. The incredible, I say never having met her, but I feel, <laughs> I feel volunteering for this is incredible. She didn't strictly volunteer, but she didn't run. <laughs> the incredible Jenny George! <laughs> it's possible she did run. It's Has she gone she's home? Lived. Hello
3: What a great group Straight off the bat, no bother. What's your trans name?
6: You know, I haven't thought of one yet. Oh. Okay,
0: so well we'll work it out together now. Name a favourite or a few favourite male singers.
6: Sam Fender.
0: Sam Fender,
6: George, great.
0: Ezra. George. You can't, can't really be George. You no. can't be George. No, you can't be
6: George, George. <gasps> be no, George, George, George. Please be George. No, you use your mother's maiden name. name. What's That's your mother's what maiden name? Uh, Harris.
0: George Harris. Bit oh, like George Harris. Hang on. <laughs> Hold on. George Harris. That's ringing a bell. <laughs> I think that would be brilliant, though. Charlotte, who's your favourite male singer? Um,
5: well, <laughs> I was going to say George, just it mm-hmm. flew into my head. George Formby, just to be a bit
4: different.
5: <laughs> yeah, I like uh, that. So, and what's the second bit? Uh, Your mother's maiden name. My mother's name, George Burgess. Not very sexy, is it? No. George Burgess.
3: No. George Burgess, sure. I mean, you don't have to stick yeah. to these names if you do transition. <laughs> yes. You feel free to mix it up. It's just to get you Mixed going. It up. It's just, yeah. it's just what a was yours, mix Elvis? To I'd like uh, to Elvis. To Max.
0: I think Max
5: is what I'd choose. Mm. Max. Max. It's oh, max. Oh. Max
0: everything, max. Yeah. I think if I transition at any point, which is <laughs> unlikely at the moment, but, but, you know, we're fluid and life's long. Well, I, as I long as you think,
3: think I'm just saying. <laughs> Got to what? act fast if you're going to transition. <laughs> Don't leave it too long. <laughs> you
0: <Yeah. laughs> I mean, this is exactly what on Twitter they say.
3: Yeah. 2035, loads more people are going to be trans.
0: Oh, I do believe that. 16 years' time. I mean, the future is looking good. No, (laughs) I do believe that. There's no question, because I know people who've got teenagers who are non-binary, and, you know, it's just no big deal at all.
3: I bet people here have got mates who are trans. See, when you were. 16 years ago, there was no mates mentioned if you're trans. Yeah. You just well, go they, into that corner and but, wait.
0: But you, but they did have trans mates. They just didn't know because there wasn't facility or structure for people to come out. So yeah, they just, people just suffered it. in silence until they died. They did. It was all yeah. stealth. Stealth. Can you imagine you know, me living in
3: stealth? <laughs> what a terrible idea. I mean, I you should just... see the outfit I've got on
4: tonight. Oh, hold
0: on. Here it I comes. think now might
4: be the time.
0: I know, he he missed his moment, didn't he? He, It was was all talking heads, and then suddenly Kate starts to strip and he's popped out for a cup of tea.
3: Um, Always the way.
0: So we're talking about what we wish we'd known. So, Jenny, let's start with you. You are currently teaching what age of human being uh, (laughs) politics?
6: Uh, I teach history and politics to 16 to mostly 18, some 19, some 20-year-olds.
0: 16 to 18-year-olds. You seem very young yourself, if you don't mind me saying. (laughs) And I say that, again, as if it's a good thing because our community prizes youth over everything. (laughs) Uh, I'm aware that's a patriarchal structure. I take it back. Students don't. uh, Students don't see it as a good thing to be young.
6: Well, no. It's much harder to get respect from them. Yeah. When I started, it was. Oh,
0: because you're young. They kind of go, why are you teaching us, miss? You're... You're only our age.
6: Yeah, which, when I started, was quite close to true. Oh.
0: <laughs> so I, how did you come back? How did you get over that?
6: I, I proved myself, I guess, by outwitting them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as much as possible. That's, possibly, That's
1: Yeah.
6: I, outwitting them. Well, I inherited a second-year group that had, like, a, a group of boys in, and I'd taken over from a teacher that had taught me, and he was brilliant, but I was never going to live up to him it took me a long time to win them over Mm.
0: were you taking over from the man in the history boys (laughs) (laughs) similar yeah and so you then had to step into his large shoes and this is what I was thinking this is part of Charlotte's thing about not fitting in here's an example if I have to step into a man's shoes and a me they're going to be too big so I'm going to be sort of flapping around um But that doesn't mean I'm less good or I'm more clumsy. It just means I'm in the wrong shoes. And I think that happens a lot in roles in corporations because they're like, well, these shoes were fine for the last guy. What's your problem? If you can't take the heat, get out of the clown shoes. And I'm like, well, no, but hold on. That's not, you know, the case. And I actually have big feet myself, so I feel I can say this. Um, Is there anything you're teaching now in the curriculum as far as feminism in politics that you wish you'd known when you were their age?
6: I think the biggest thing, and it's by no means a perfect specification, there's lots of issues with it, and I think they duck some of the big questions. But what they do have is quite a range of feminists. So we do five key thinkers, and I add a few of my own into that as well. <gasps> Am I, I one of them? I do I do give DF Dubs a shout-out, yes. Yes! <laughs>
0: Didn't even know we I invited on to be on the show, but I just she looked into my eyes as if to say, "You're safe. You can ask me this question. You can ask me this question. Who do you add? I'm I'm being wry, of course, about myself. I'm being no, jocular. I'm being jocular. Jocular. No, who, seriously, who do you add in to your coterie?
6: Uh, so I add in Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term, the term in because yeah. uh, they have bell hooks who is also an intersectional feminist, but I had in Kimberly Crenshaw. Betty Friedan is there, but she's there as a liberal, so I bring her into the feminism side of the course. As many women in history as I can get in, so Eleanor Roosevelt, who is not mentioned in the history of the US scheme of work, so I shoehorn her in as much as possible, um, and my mind's gone blank for anyone else. No, that's,
0: that's a lot, that's enough. So these are some things that you wish you'd known. When you were that age, had anyone explained to you about intersectional feminism?
6: Definitely not. I just assumed there was one or two ways to be a feminist, and it didn't involve makeup or heels. And I would have liked to have known that—that that I could be a feminist and also still wear what I wanted yeah, to wear. Yeah, and have feminine. And, yeah.
0: What we see is traditionally feminine gender expression. There's yeah. nothing wrong with traditionally feminine gender expression. There's only something wrong with it if we project onto it. Uh, The idea that to be feminine is less good than to be masculine. Where things are constrictive or, you know, if you don't want to be teetering around in high heels because you feel like you're going to fall over, then, yeah, there are times when the imposition of feminine gender expression can be unfeminist, but the act of it cannot be, I think. Is this... Have I gone too deeply in? Am I For now me, in a, yes, you am have. I, yeah. Am I now in a cul yeah. sack? that I'm I I'm just stripping off on stage, yeah. I'm I wearing like, a wig, I, I mean... I feel like I might need a three-point turn to get out yeah. of this, but I do <laughs> feel that that is correct. Charlotte, what do you wish you'd known? I wish I'd known that
5: I could have saved about 20 years of my life so far, if you add up all the minutes in which... After a man has been very patronising or offensive or taken the credit for a piece of work that I've done, I don't need to stand there trying to think of a really nice, careful way of saying this to him without hurting his feelings. Um.
4: That is...
0: That's a wonderful thing. And if you are currently very young, take that on board now, walk out of the room with it, carry it with you, don't waste the time, because it's true, we've wasted so much time doing that kind of thing. I think similarly, Me Too is saving me time, because before Me Too, in order to keep my job slash place in the industry if a man hit on me in a work context that made me feel very uncomfortable, I always used to think, especially if he had more power than me, I have to leave this man feeling attractive while getting out of the situation. Because if I make him feel unattractive or unwanted or undesirable or not like the sex monster he thinks he is, then I will have deflated his ego and I will not work for him and he will make sure that I don't work for other people by saying nasty things about me or blackballing me in some way. And I'm not someone who's been hit on every other minute, but enough that it was a job. The amount of times where I've had to make that man feel super attractive and act as if whether or not I felt he was attractive is irrelevant. I've had to make him feel attractive and I've also had to make it out like I think he's joking. ...so that it's all fine. i <laughs> be <But> like, you. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if I wasn't married and you didn't have four children... <laughs> ...and everything would be so different. I mean, what? I mean, lol. I mean, jokes. I mean, is that the door? Um, and you have to get up to it. You know, like, things like that, the nicety, emotional labour, you're right. But that's not if I'd known that then. If I'd known that then, nothing. I wouldn't have been able to do anything differently... But now, because of Me Too, I can kind of go, sorry, could you say that again? And then they don't. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, What do you wish you'd known? Yeah, I think on a
3: shallow level, I really wish I'd known how brilliant musical theatre was.
0: (laughs) Why did it take me
3: 54 years to be in a musical? I just don't understand. I should have been in one since the day I was born. (laughs) But something I was thinking about, I mean, with a lot of that, you might have picked up something in my kind of little stand-up bit that all the people I had to go to were men. So during my whole transition, they were cisgendered white men who were dictating my trans journey. And it's only recently that I've really thought, oh my God, my whole trans journey by voice therapy, you know, my psychiatrist said, oh, you're quite lucky because you've got small hands. And I was like, well, what if I didn't have small hands? Does that mean I can't transition? There were these kind of enforcements of what i had to be in order to transition i think looking back i really wish now i feel so much more empowered and there are so many more trans people leading our journey including myself you know i have a trans arts company in manchester called trans creative i have a trans arts festival the only one in the country you're welcome (laughs) And I've created a platform last year for 150 new and kind of emerging trans voices. And people say there aren't any trans performers. Well, there are. And I can find them and I can get them in the middle of, like, the Royal Exchange performing. So I feel like I'm really excited by that. But I look back and I think, why did I spend so much time, like, listening and putting my whole journey at their feet? You know, they weren't trans. They didn't even have, like, trans kids. Or I didn't see any investment other than some kind of medical... Because of their privilege, they ended up in that role with the letters after their name. I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known
0: who's on your judging panel Brene Brown says yes. we all need validation when she says when people say oh I don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks well, you do yeah. otherwise you're a sociopath everybody <laughs> has to care about how other people feel and yeah. get validation we all need validation but it's just where are you getting it from and I think it's really easy online especially to just go anyone who says anything I'm at the mercy of that and she says your judging committee should fit on a square inch of paper of people you really respect and I've taken that on board of like who's on my panel and I've different square inches of paper for different things because the people I would care about judging me as a stand-up comic tend to be other stand-up comics. Mm. I don't really mind what my mum thinks of my stand-up comedy, yeah. to be honest. Because, well, you should. Well, <laughs> I don't think I should let her get into my head again. But I do care what my mum thinks about my sort of behaviour and morality and, you know, my yeah. kindness and compassion. Um, so, like, I have different square inches for different mm. things, so to speak. Um, LAUGHTER but I care more about sensation than depth yes and, and, but I think that's, it's clear we all do yeah but if you're in that situation who's on your judging panel your literal judging yeah. panel to say whether yeah. you can yeah. transition yeah. in the way that you wish to often are people who are all cis yeah. and that's very taxing and yeah. sometimes that's just juxtaposition of legal and medical so it's sort of finding ways around that to also plug into people mm. whose opinion you can take on board Charlotte, have you got something else that you'd like to tell us that you wish you'd known?
5: I could save another 20 years, actually. Also, again, broken up into a lot of small incidents where I'd started going out with somebody who was also a man, and I'd say, can I just say something? And he'd say, yes, 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 say something, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening. Come on. And then just after you've started... He says, have you finished yet? Can I say something? And that's kind of the next six months to two years. I could have just saved that by just sort of (laughs) stopping at that point and realizing that there was something different in the way that we communicated and took up space and listened to each other. Mm -hmm. But there's a more serious thing there, which is, you know, they do these... If you record a conversation and you then ask... uh, I hope this is changing, but on the whole, if you ask the men who talked most, if a woman has spoken for sort of, you know, 7% of the time she will appear to have spoken a lot and dominated the conversation. Because culturally come on, let's change this, but culturally men are just allowed to take up that space for speaking and words.
0: But the more you shift it, it doesn't actually take that long between, uh, structurally and as a society it will take longer, but we can all be trained to take up, because I I think that's true of other intersections of marginalisation and oppression as well. And I think we can train our immediate social circle by just being different, by just acting differently, and then they will start to expect, well, you always take up a lot of time in meetings, and that's what we know of you, and that's how you individualise yourself out of gender or out of any other um, intersection of marginalisation. It
5: can happen the other way around because actually the other thing I was going to say is about plays. and these, Plays and other kinds of art are sometimes how we change things. So mm-hmm. going back to that, only four women out of 100 in the last century wrote plays seem to be significant. Well, actually, only from the 1970s did women start writing plays in any substantial number in this country and around the world, against 2,000 years of it being a male art form for various reasons. So we aren't visible and vocal in a lot of the classic plays and things. So you can start doing that and then you can start changing patterns that way. Because another thing on my mind is lots of times I've thought, God, that would be a really good musical or comedy show (gasps) or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is there it's, a part? For it's cats? okay. We're catching up. We're here now and we're going yeah. to make it happen. But <laughs> I haven't sent that idea to the kind of director, producer, person who'd do it. Why not? Because I think, well, I couldn't do that or it wouldn't work or something. Do you know what I mean? But interesting enough, it probably wouldn't have done because that producer, director, important person in power is more likely to have been a man who recognises the ideas his kind of man present him rather Mm -hmm. than the kind of ideas I present Mm -hmm. I hate to divide things by gender but that is true now the producer director person is more likely to be someone like me who for a long time thought I can't do it and now is beginning to think I can Mm -hmm. or
0: the next generation down who thinks of course I can Mm -hmm. that's a big change and it's also we should say as you said there just to highlight a certain sort of man there's millions of working-class men in this country who couldn't have walked into any of those theatres. There's millions of men of colour in this country who couldn't have walked into those theatres and said, I've got an idea for a musical comedy. Yeah, and absolutely. They'd be like, have you? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. It is absolutely shifting now, and there is a demand for artists who have a different sort of voice now. I would say if you're a posh, white, established man, you will work forever and everything, but as, actually as a young man coming up, if you're a young, white, posh man, it is currently, that's not massively in demand. Um, that's true and I have spoken to some men who were very angry about it and I sympathise with them it must be awful to have had thousands yes. of years of domination yes. and be born five years too late
3: yes it must be annoying maybe we should write a musical about them <laughs>
0: yes be annoying if it's been pretty much only people like you for thousands of years and everyone else had to dip into this little pot of minority money and our plays always got put on in sheds and you know we just had to put them on ourselves under bridges And that was true. That's how it was. That's how it was, you know, until quite recently. And now it's like, oh, we need some female voices. Oh, we need some voices of colour. And that is really, really new. And it must be annoying to be a 21-year-old posh white man going, are you fucking serious that I missed this? This bus has been going in my direction for 10,000 years. And now, now you want to change direction?" I can see that's annoying I don't
3: but who's deciding that change it will be that posh white person will be going I think we need to mix it up
0: I think it's a societal shift I don't know I mean we should analyze you might know Jenny because you understand history and politics um is there anything you wish you'd known that you would like to tell us or tell young people
6: the thing that I most tell the young people that I teach every day, particularly the girls, who I tend to be a little bit biased towards in the class, um, (laughs) is that women are collectively moving that road and moving that bus, and they're not alone. And I think when they step into the classroom and immediately they look round and there's more boys than girls, they feel alone. And just letting them know that there are podcasts like this and pointing them in those directions that I didn't know about when I was... 16, 17, because it wasn't around at that time, signposting them to other women and to other collectives and other groups. I wish I'd known more about them, because they were there, I just didn't know about them. So I, I try and signpost as much as I can towards those, but also to tell the girls in particular in the groups that they need to speak more. And sometimes that's been really brutal and just picking on them more. And pushing them more to speak more because the more you speak, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. And to give them that kind of confidence as much as I can. And to shout three words at them, which is if I shout three words, they have to give me three positive things about themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Doing that as much as possible.
0: So you just shout three words and they have to shout back,
6: Clever, amazing, brave. Yeah, (laughs) they never go straight for those words, but yeah.
0: about yourself yeah can we play let's, that now yeah, I was just yeah let's thinking. play it let's, let's just it. point yeah. just as point and, I mean I'm pointing in a vague direction so that anyone can take it I'm deliberately pointing vaguely because I don't want to uh, you know I know sometimes people in theatres are like oh um, so I'm just going to point in direction and see if we can get people shouting out no it's not my okay. <laughs> You can you point because you've got the magic can we all do it yeah or yeah, yeah. You. Not, uh, confident <laughs> What's your second one? Strong. Yes, what's your third one? Um, clever. Confident, strong, clever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, it works when Jenny points, it doesn't work when I point because she's got the magic. Point to someone else. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> really good at getting pointed at. <laughs> <laughs> um, good hair. Good hair. <laughs> <laughs> Hair is everything, Anthony. Hair is everything. Um, This is great. Have you got three words, Charlotte? Willful. Mm.
5: Brave. Mm -hmm. Pioneering.
3: Nice. What have you got, Kate? Um, Tall. (laughs) Musical. (laughs) Uh, Happy.
0: Makes me feel like crying. What are your three words, Jenny?
6: Uh, Brave, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, determined, and feisty, because I'm trying to reclaim it as not. Yes. uh... And can
0: you? give us a potted, because I want to know what you're teaching in A-Level Feminism, is there any sort of highlights that you could teach us? Because I bet you anything you will educate every single person in this room, because we haven't done A-Level Feminism, unless you
6: have, in which case I apologise. So we start with Simone de Beauvoir, and we look at how she pushed for initially education as the thing that was going to drive women forward, and then we move towards Uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, who used literature as a vehicle to explain the female experience. Then we go to Sheila Robotham, who is fantastic in that she identified that men are willing to look at things around the world and say, yes, there is sexism, but they're not willing to recognize that sexism happens to the person that sits next to them or the Mm -hmm. person in their house they can recognize it in faraway places and they can recognize it in other schools and other families but they can't recognize it in front of them she was also a socialist feminist so they try and get a range then they go to kate millet who's a radical feminist and Uh, starts to really kind of push the boundaries of what it is to be female, whether women are made or whether they are born. And she looked at sexual politics and said that everything is political. Uh, The personal is political. And the relationships, the sexual relationships that women have, either with men or with other women, are inherently political, and we can't escape from that. And then the last person is Bell Hooks, who looked back at the kind of third, second and first wave of feminists and said they are not inclusive, they are not supportive enough, they are too prescriptive, and that we as feminists have been too prescriptive in how we uh, define feminism, and we need to move away from that prescriptive style feminism and embrace as many types of feminism as there possibly can be and embrace what it is to be female, to make empowered decisions as feminists. That's the five (laughs) things...
3: Should be a musical.
4: <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: It might be time now to get out of the audience Laura Martin, because Laura Martin has something to tell us. Please welcome to the stage, Laura Martin! Welcome to the stage. Uh, Please tell us about your project, what it is, and what we can do to help.
7: Okay, so, hi, my name's Laura. Thank you for having me here. Um, (laughs) So, I am a girl empowerment volunteer for a local Manchester charity called Made With Hope. The charity was founded by a local girl called Eleanor. She has done a lot. For girls and for people in Tanzania. So we work with a partner school in Tanzania. I've actually just come back. Uh, I was there for three weeks. It was my first visit there. And basically I ran a girl focus group with um, kind of the most I got in uh, my group was 17 girls. And they were all girls who have started their period. They're all in local government ran schools in Tanzania. They have really, really little facilities. They've never even seen pads before, period pads. They've never had any money to be able to actually buy themselves any form of menstrual hygiene management. They've never had any education on menstrual hygiene management, (coughs) um, which to me was completely you know just unreal like we can go to the toilet we can go in we can put a pound in a little machine if we really want to and we can get a tampon or we can get a pad these guys have never even seen one before so basically the project that i'm working on is we are in the final stages of our project we're actually fundraising at the moment to find enough money to be able to run a workshop with all these girls in multiple towns in Tanzania. We have four schools that we're working with at the moment. It's a very small charity, it's growing really quickly and we really, really, really hope that we can reach more girls in the future. But we are working on providing girls education, enough education so that they at least know what a period is. These girls don't understand what a period is. You know, I was told on one of our workshops that a period is a girl having a lot of water from their downstairs. That's what I was told by one of these girls, you know. They have absolutely no idea. We want to educate them. So
0: how can we help?
7: You can visit Made With Hope. Please, please, please visit their Instagram, their Facebook, their Twitter, their website. In particular, their website has some really, really interesting stuff. Please visit there, please donate. Please come and talk to us as well. If you want to volunteer, then you are more than welcome to come and join our volunteer group. Uh, if you want to donate some money, if you know people in businesses that want to donate money to girls that are in need, please come and visit us. Please Great. come and speak to us.
0: So made with hope. Find them on the socials. Get involved. Donate. Connect. Uh, volunteer. If you've got no other resources, you could amplify and give them a retweet. Uh, thank you so much, Laura Martin. Thank you. So, before we finish, what was that? Hi, sorry, can I just ask, do you know about Days for Girls? We do know about Days for Girls. Right. So, could you tell everyone
6: about Days for Girls? as well? We can't, because we've only got
0: six minutes left. So, but we will look it up online. Days Girls, while you're looking up. you looking up Made with Hope, Days for Girls. That's okay, no, no, no. It's only because we've got to get out of the theatre, otherwise I would go on all night, and many times have. Um, Is there anything anyone here wants to leave on the stage that they haven't said, that they haven't told us about?
6: I was actually on strike today. Uh, the, (laughs) the, The National Education Union, the Sixth Form Teachers... 25, six phone colleges have had some of their staff on strike today because of massive, massive funding cuts to the sector, and it's just not been reported. So if you could just tell people that we were on strike, that would be lovely, wow. Great. Right.
5: This production by four women actors who are also deaf, using British Sign Language of My Mother Said I Never Should, it opens at Sheffield till the 23rd of November, but it's going to be at the Lowry in, it's either February or March, two nights. So please, especially if you know anyone who's deaf, any generation, because this covers four generations, and deaf people have been blocked out of so many parts of our culture over the years, so it partly tells that story for people who haven't seen it on stage. And come yourself. It's Please. a
0: brilliant play and I would be very, very interested to see it in a different language and it is genuinely a brilliant play. If you haven't seen it, you must see it because it is genuinely, genuinely wonderful and it's the most feminist play you could possibly imagine. Kate, anything to tell us? Apart from
3: the musical.
0: <laughs> Are you in a musical? You've no. not mentioned it. Um, the one thing that I didn't say, which is that things I wish I'd known, this is the biggest thing I wish I'd known when I was young, people believe what you tell them. You tell the story of you, and that's what they believe. Very few people are correcting your story of you. So if you come in going, oh, is this the right room? I'm, just, I'm not sure. I, I just had a thought don't, if it was worth mentioning. The story you're telling is, I don't really trust myself. And very few people in life are going to go, you don't trust yourself, but I think you should, and I'm going to. They don't. Occasionally someone does. That person is called a mentor. That's what a mentor is. It's someone who says... I believe in you more than you believe in you. You will get maybe two mentors in a lifetime if you're lucky. Everyone else believes what you tell them. So tell them the story, I trust me. And if I don't know something, I'm going to go, I don't know about this. I trust me and I trust you. I'm going to put my hand up and say I don't know it. You don't have to blag. But tell the story, I trust myself. And people will trust you with more responsibility, opportunity, money, influence, whatever, all of these things that... Musicals. Musicals, all of these Literally things that's, that, that's that currently the case in make point. our capitalist <laughs> terrible world go round. But some of those things are as simple as who's invited into the room. So you need to walk into that room as if you're invited. Most of us are walking into rooms we're invited into as if we're not invited. We've got to cut that shit out.
5: Can I suggest... Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte, do you have a topper? I just think we need to add to that the three-word trick. So before you go in the room, you say to yourself, what are my three words? Mm -hmm. That's a great thing. I'm going to remember that Mm -hmm. and pass it on to everyone. Thank you.
0: I haven't done my three words. I I did sort of three spontaneous ones, but I I don't know. Maybe they were my true ones then because they're spontaneous. But if I think about it, my three words are... Oh, God. It's embarrassing. Do
6: you have to say nice things about yourself? Come on. It shouldn't be. That's the point. Should I don't know. I just said to believe you're in story. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> Would it help if I pointed
3: at you? Yeah,
0: point at me. No, it's got to okay. be, gotta be Jenny. Hold on. Oh, yeah. On. Jenny's got the magic point. finger. Go. Okay, yeah. well. uh, powerful. Yes. Compassionate. Active. Yeah. yeah. Tonight, before you go to bed, you were going to write down your three words and you were going to write down your transitional name. <laughs> you have been. show. You've been amazing. Good night. (laughs) to think up your trans name so yeah. Jenny and Laura if you could work out your trans name in the interval and Charlotte that would be very very helpful. Yeah.
3: We're all transitioning over the interval it's going to okay. be Okay that's not what it's the future. That's,
0: no that's not what the no? official policy oh, of the Guilty oh. Feminist is not that you have to transition in the interval. Oh, I'm always trying always I know you pushing. are yes it's well done well done Kate well done uh, Transition! Um, no you're <laughs> Now! Transition Now! This is, this is... You're going to love it! Oh my god!
3: <laughs> I've never this done is, that before. It felt really good. No, okay. <laughs> this
0: is. I'm really good. This is what the scared so, people on Twitter fear.
2: You do, <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> Um Are we ready for the interval? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do